0: Hey, you're listening to Canadian Agent Missional Podcast, and we are, once again, live at ION Conference Toronto, the Orality Conference. It's been a really cool time, and we've had a good day so far. In our, our session this morning that uh, that we're reflecting on, is a lot about what are some of those cultural factors, some of those histories that have impacted the way we share the gospel. And so, what do we need to be more aware of? What are some of the things we might need to repent of? What are some of the things we need to be more considerate of as we move forward. And what are some things we can learn from other cultures and other histories, especially in how they embody Jesus, how they share the gospel and how they even view their own faith. Bernard, what has been some of those things that you've taken away from some of those conversations we've been having?
1: Maybe it's a lot of Kairos moments for, for many people yeah. where really, you know, you live a certain way and then something really challenged and disrupts that that perspective mm-hmm. and it kind of unlocks the realization that that all these things all these lenses and worldview have shaped how we see the good news, how we have understood the way of evangelism, the way that we understand mission, the way that we understand what church is, yeah, and even the way that we have structured and organized ourselves as churches in the spaces, and all of that informs us and 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 to be able to to kind of realize that, I think, gives a breath of freedom, um, or at least that's what I'm hearing from many people. That like they're 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 being able to reimagine.
0: Yeah, what it looks like for sure. I, I, it was really profound just to hear stories about how people are starting to be more aware of some of those influences and how the gospel can truly be good news to people groups or certain de- demographics who have been marginalized or oppressed or silenced because of their gender because of their race because of their culture and it was really amazing just to hear some of the the ways in which people start sharing how do we unpack this how do we lead toward change how can we recognize this and repent of it and and continue to to see how does how is god working through his spirit in the midst of all this and so we hope that you guys will really enjoy these reflections from these sessions. Once again, there's going to be a couple of them and we hope you guys will really sit with them. Some of them are just really deep <laughs> so and really cool. And so we hope you guys will enjoy that and we'll, we'll do a little bit more as the conference wraps up. What's going on? We got Raymond here with us right now. And we have a question that we are asking some of the participants and panelists. And we would like to hear your opinion on this. And it's kind of related back to our first session of today. And this is the question of, from your own context, what would you say is one factor or one influence from your culture or from your history that has significantly impacted the way you engage with the gospel and the way you share your faith and the way you embody Jesus?
2: Well, when big factor is the fact that I'm bicultural. Okay. So the fact that I straddle both the Canadian culture and the Chinese culture means that I have to appreciate diversity. I have to understand different viewpoints. I have to understand that there's intersectionality as well. Sure. That people are not monolithic or just come from one single background. And that way I don't get wrapped up in the fact that one group might feel strongly about one way, or another group feels strongly about another way, I can sort of uh, have that flexibility. Cool. That's great. Very cool. And
0: our follow-up question to that is, what does it mean to navigate through that to move ahead?
2: Oh, good question. I think you have to go forward in this world with a lot of boldness. It's a very complex and difficult world that we live in with a lot of Uh, cultural religious diversity a lot of conflict Mm. and i think you have to go forward and try to build bridges Mm. and in whatever you do i do research i'm a professor at brock university teaching ethics and i have to help people to appreciate different viewpoints help them come together reconcile come up with solutions together in such a way that we can bridge divides all right Mm -hmm. i do have to ask one last thing
0: because i'm just like oh i want to hear your experience What is it like to build a bridge between cultures, to be able to connect to a different perspective, paradigm, history, heritage? What does bridge building look like in your experience?
2: I think that's part of the reason I'm at this conference, which is very much about oral communication, oral Mm. uh, traditions and storytelling. I think we need to tell more stories to each other. I use a lot of cases. Mm. I use international cases to... Help people understand what the situation is in India or whatever country, and just understanding the context and how to do the right thing, how to do no harm, uh, how to actually help people. And there's different definitions of what is good and what is helping people. Yeah, for sure. And so appreciating that uh, my way may not be your way.
0: Cool, Uh, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hey, we got Carol here. Carol, one of the questions we've been asking. From your culture or from your history or from your experiences? What has really shaped you?
3: Yeah, I think my church and like the Chinese culture, because I grew up in a lot of Chinese churches. Okay. So um, how they share the gospel and how we study scripture. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so how do you think it's shaped? it? How do you think it's influenced it?
3: I don't know. I guess um, our methods are mainly like analyzing the text and like not really, because I think the uh, theme of story is a very new concept. Mm-hmm. It's mainly, like, um, analyzing scripture and then, like, you know, trying to pick out all the details rather than, like, find, like, a theme to connect all of it together. Sure,
0: yeah. sure. What does story mean for you?
3: I don't know. Like, I think finding, like, I think yesterday when the, um, one of the guys was talking about finding, like, a meaning or, like, a reason, like, stepping back and looking at the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah, tying sure. all of the pieces together.
1: Yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, very cool. Thank you so all much. Right. Thank yeah, you. okay. <laughs> All right, we have Ruth here. Ruth, you've been part of planning this whole thing, steering this whole thing. How are you doing?
4: You know what? It's been an exciting conference and lots of people engaged Sure. In this, so we're excited.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot that has been shared through the panels mm-hmm. and through the sessions. A lot to work through, a lot to work through. We want to ask you from your own context, from your own experiences, what is one of those things that has significantly impacted the way you understand your faith and share the gospel?
4: Well, it's interesting that you asked me that question because I actually grew up in Congo and Kenya. Okay. And so living in that context, everything is about story. Teach through story. You know, the mothers will tell you that this certain goblin or whatever will come and get you if you misbehave in this way. You know, everything is sort of reinforced through story and conversation. And fear. (laughs) That's right. Exactly.
1: Um, Our culture is like that. That's Uh, true. You guys
4: don't live that way, right? (laughs) (laughs) I grew up very much in, like, there's no written word, it is all conversational uh, in Congo and Kenya when I was growing up. But then we, I came to Canada, and everything was very much, you know, you're only intelligent if you're reading and writing. Right. And, and so, but the interesting dynamic is that we're kind of springboarding now into a brand new era, I think, of orality. And really, orality has somewhat been defined by these other cultures that are not... Uh, focused around the written word. It's all the Mm -hmm. storytelling. It's the moms, you know, kind of giving you that fear factor. The Exactly. But what's happening is our younger generation is really bringing the importance of orality even further than what it has been before because our younger generation, on average, would spend probably between, I would say, close to half of their day either watching a YouTube video yeah. or getting on Facebook and watching what people are p- posting on Facebook and they're very much influenced by that. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we don't take orality seriously, you know, communicating story through how we say things online in terms of video and also instruct instructing people online through video and through media or through vlogs and blogs, podcasts, then we are actually missing out on this whole younger generation and Mm -hmm. the need to educate them in the way of Christ.
0: There's already been this huge shift already, right? What does that mean in a city like Toronto, where we're in right now at the ION Conference? And it's so multicultural, and you see so many different cultures coming in. And sure, there might be, or there might have been this previous understanding of what does it mean to engage looks like, or like, you know, kind of like a a previous model or a previous method, but how do we shift? I mean, like, I think there's more people recognizing now that there is a need for it, but how does that actually happen to, to think about engaging in a new ways to maybe unlearn some of the things that we've learned and then to move forward?
4: Well, I mean, I have to be honest with you. It's been a, interesting shift for me myself. And I, you know, I've built it up. I, my background is, is marketing and media. So of course I want to create this great video that has, (laughs) you know, really great soundtrack and, you know, is punchy. And, and, and I think what we have to shift to is that it's our, our phones are more than ample Mm. to start conveying messages. You know, most of the Phones now will record in, eight, in high def. Yeah, and absolutely. And so, you know, taking a walk on a pathway with somebody <laughs> and just using your selfie stick or turning it on yourself and just doing your message for the day and encouraging somebody, and then posting that. I think we are worried too much of overcomplicating, and we just really what we need is just great messaging that's getting out there.
3: Mm. There's
1: a value for authenticity. And, Absolutely. and nowadays, I think, yeah. I think like, you know, it's funny because years ago, um, this might be dating me a little bit. There's a movie called The Truman Show. Yes. yes. It was like that it was at the, uh-huh. the start of thinking like, oh, like the ordinary is actually kind of significant. Right. Sure. But I think nowadays, like the ordinary is significant, mm-hmm. is authentic, is real. Mm-hmm. And part of like when we talk about like how is our our, our proclamation of the good news or living out the good news. Like it's, it's through the ordinary and, sure and we have like the access to that readily all around us.
4: And I think if you remember recently, there was a big social media push because everything on social media was so perfect, right. Mm. That it actually went the other way where everybody was like, no, this is me in my imperfect state, <laughs> but staged imperfectness. Right. And, and this it's is what hyper-realism. I, ah. that's right. <laughs> And so this is, this is the thing that like what the younger generation is looking for is authenticity. And so, and, and we easily dismiss it because you see all the perfect social media, Mm -hmm. but everybody's dying from perfection. Like they're, they're being ripped apart internally because of perfection. Mm. And what they're looking for is authenticity. This is me. This is what God's put on my heart or just even a positive message of you're not alone. You know? God is with you, you, or we're here for you, like those messages that are saying, you know, you're different, and that's good. It's not a bad thing to be different. You right. don't have to be perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to push this one step further. How does it move from spectator to being invited into the story? Because it's one thing to hear the message and the story, but then what does it mean to actually start to think that, oh, this is my story, or I can be part of this story moving forward?
4: Wow, that's a, that's a really great question. I think it's kind of on all of us sure. to a certain extent, right? I mean, today we've got a bunch of different ministry leaders that are here and missions in general and ministries in general have to just start thinking differently about how they do things mm-hmm. and really being authentic. You know, we, we kind of can get in our Church ivory towers, where we're like, Absolutely. we got to get to the next size, the next sure. level, and and really getting back to the message of you know what God is for you. We are here for you, and and allowing space for conversation on social media.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: I also think like I, like I'm a small church, a local church kind of guy. Like I think one of the things that I've I've kind of wrestled with that a little bit about is and even in one of the talks. We talked about like dance as an exegesis, right? Yeah. But also, what does it mean to exegete the very narrative that where our local community actually resides? Because especially like Toronto, and you know, I am also biased Toronto because I love Toronto. <laughs> like every neighborhood has a certain story that is often untold. Right. Every street has a story that is often untold. And every church that's within a specific neighborhood has a role and a place. And then when we are learning to discover these stories, I think we learn how to participate and actually invite. First, may not be we inviting as a church, but maybe we're trying to see where we are invited into. Sure. And I think that, that's a change in our whole posture and how to enter into a story. It is probably a number of different steps. Authenticity, opening up space,
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. But then to have that level of engagement where people are feeling that You are part of this as much as I'm part of this. We need to listen to one another. We need to find times and places that we can be connected to one another to move forward.
4: I really like how you brought that up, Bernard, because I think sometimes we're so used to telling the stories of the church inside the church.
0: Oh, wow. That's that's big. That's big. So then
4: how do we, uh, like going out on the street. Yeah. And talking to people and, you know, even inviting them into your vlog, even if it goes bad, you know, oh, goes no. a little bit sour, right? And We're they ask there. you the tough <laughs> questions and you're like, oh, goodness, how do I answer this? You know, like being out there and actually gathering the stories of your community doesn't that help you serve them better? Mm. Like how can you serve your community unless you know the stories of your community?
0: That is such a good word. I think that is awesome. We need to continue to wrestle with that. Thank you so much, Ruth. Awesome. Thank Thank you. All right. We got Tim
6: for you, cultural and history experiences. What has significantly shaped you? Are you talking personally or me as a representative of my church or me as a representative as a second generation?
0: And whatever comes to your mind. Yeah, the no, first I, thing, I, I, uh, we
6: want to hear it. A million things come to mind Great. again. I got I, I do think 11 hours. I, I do think. think you have 11 hours on that sucker? Uh, 10 hours now. Oh, nice. 10 hours. See, I'm recording at too high of a quality up there. I'm like counting down the hours on my... I don't have that much battery life. but. Sorry, I'm eating up all the time. Um, I, I actually do think that as a Gen Xer... Actually, sure. that defines a lot of who I am. Mm. Uh, I fully embrace being a Gen Xer in so many ways because I just I just do find that I question everything. Right. So, and that's just who I am. I, I like yeah. it. I think I think there's a sacredness of questioning everything. Right. Uh, David Dark has a book called that. I think it's David Dark. And there is a sacredness of of asking good questions. I think it made me very much embrace understanding that that God named His people Israel, mm. people who struggle with God. You have to struggle with your faith you have to go through that process sure which which totally throws out the window any kind of systematic theology sure systematic sorry yeah, i'm on i'm on record here systematic theology doesn't make any any biblical sense it doesn't make any biblical sense how do we how do we put into neat boxes a text that was never put in neat boxes if god wanted it to be in neat boxes he would have written genesis chapter 1 what is the chief whatever, of man, right? But it's chief not. end of man. What's the chief end of man? But that's to not Genesis end, 1. To Genes- enjoy Genesis and to, and to <laughs> catechism. Right? right? So, I mean, nothing fully against those things, but at what point have we lost the diversity, especially of scripture, especially when in, in a narrative form that tells contrasting viewpoints and perspectives? Okay. So, and that's what I, I think as a Gen Xer, I'm pretty good at questioning everything and yet being able to somewhat reconstruct a different side to everything okay now let me ask you this question yeah. what are some of the questions you felt you have asked of your
0: own cultural background like you are canadian you are asian what are some of those questions that you have sought to find answers to or at least be open to deconstructing to find another way forward
1: i would also love to add to that question too yeah. like like how, like how do other people respond to the questions that you've been asking
6: some people just can't handle the questions? Not well, not me. Not not, not that. I, not that. Oh, they're so. Yeah, they're, they can't handle me. They're not
1: against you. No 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 no. But, yeah,
6: and and I don't think. Oh, I'm some revolution. I, I I mean, I've tended to be attracted more to authors who are more questioning of things. I, I don't. I think it is very difficult for people to to see different perspectives mm-hmm. or to question mm. things that they didn't know they were supposed to question. Yeah, as a as a as a Canadian, we question things that seem very American but what does it mean to be American versus Canadian as a, as an Asian we question things that are well why are things not so Asian and I don't I, I really actually don't like when people say why are things so white but things are very white I'd prefer to say why are things so European Canadian mm. and they are very European Canadian why is the Christian world in Canada so European Canadian dominated just this conference we're having it at North York Chinese Baptist Church one of the largest Chinese churches in Toronto it really is not the biggest but it's pretty large yeah Mm-hmm. This is the first time they've had an external conference use their building, and so all the way through, it's been a learning curve for them to figure out. Well, how do we, how do we work with an external group? How do we, how do we make mm. coffee? How do we plug in things and make the flow work? Like it's, it's been interesting. Not with a percolator. Right,
4: right. Ex- well, exactly. An <laughs> artist dying so all on those the inside.
6: Things. But, but to me, it's been really interesting to see because. It is all of a sudden bringing in the diaspora church, which the Chinese church still is, the diaspora church into the main conversation of Ah, the Canadian church, which which it isn't yet.
1: Which is such a needed voice.
6: Exactly. So how do we bring them in on a logistical sense, just from using their building, but then now bring them into the conversation and not just use their building, right? So the leadership here, we need to get to know more and more. Mm -hmm. I don't know them very well, even though I've been a Chinese Christian in Toronto for all my life. I don't know this church very well. So how do I get to know them better? How do we get to know their leadership better, their perspective as a diaspora community? Um, And they're learning what it means to be landowners and building owners, which is fascinating in an age in Canada when so many churches are trying to figure out (laughs) what do we do with this massive old building that we don't fill anymore. And so a lot of these diaspora churches that have these massive buildings, are they seeing into the future? Just just a plug. If you do have a building and you don't know what to do with it, reach out. Yes. There are people who are thinking deeply about these things. There's yes. a lot of conversations happening right, right now. Yeah. Well, how do we learn from each other? Mistakes from each right. other. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do, do you think people are open to facing their mistakes? Nope. Okay. Done.
0: <laughs> We're done. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no nope. but like that's an honest answer because if yep. you're talking about that might be how we move forward, yeah. how do we even get to a place of openness yeah. to start to think Hey, we have made mistakes. But, we need yeah. to listen. Yeah.
1: But think about the stories that we tell, right? We often tell the stories of success. Of success oh, yeah. Stories of, of or victory. Or from our perspective, right? Right. but Like biblical stories or just stories in general? You no, know, stories in general. Yeah. yeah. Like we don't, like in many conferences, we don't, we don't talk about like, oh man, we failed. Like that sucked. Right. Yeah. But aren't those stories so pertinent to what has formed and shaped and developed yes. and over time? Like th- th- those are the stories that are missing. Right, mm. and those right. are just
6: the stories that lead us to repentance, to change, to change. But but how do we do that in an edifying way without just making it? Because I think I've heard of a conference that's just like yeah, I, I don't heard know, about that. too. Right, is like the failure conference or whatever it was. Right, the and and all failure they did, conference. And wow. I don't think it was called that's in that. The States. It was right. You, you <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, know. I heard about I fr- that. Yeah. But it, it it becomes more about that yeah. than actually learning. Right? right. I, I hear what you're
1: saying, the, and it's, I totally agree. The posture needs to be more like reconstructionist mm-hmm. and hopeful, I mm-hmm. think. And, and it's not to demean whatever failure that has happened, but to recognize that God's, God's sovereignty and grace is at work, mm-hmm. even in the midst of like, mm-hmm. what seems like mm-hmm. a failure. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I think it just it can't be like an entire mm-hmm. conference on failure. That's just. N- yeah. It's kind of sad, actually. I it's don't know. Like it's like, no wonder why
6: that hasn't grown. <laughs> <laughs> and it's no wonder why it's no longer an annual conference. And, I mean, great, great yeah. idea. Because if they succeed as a conference, right. they can't call it as a failure conference anymore. Yeah. And Damn. if they fail as
0: a
1: conference, then they're yeah. like, well. The legacy lives on. Oh,
6: okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> you, like, like all that. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, we can. And then you, you bridge that back to biblical stories, right? Yeah. All the biblical heroes are actually biblical failures. Yeah. yeah. Every Absolutely. single yeah. one of them have major screw-ups, and yet we put them up as the heroes of the faith. Like, like the genealogy of Jesus, right? Every single person there has an issue, right? Yeah, so so how sure. do we... But how do we talk about it without just beating them down, mm-hmm. right? But then how do we translate that to to faith and being Christians, which it, we don't want to stop striving for excellence, but at what point do we say to people, yeah, I, I, we had a, whole, a huge slew of high schoolers new to Christianity come to our church, right? Yeah. And they became part of our core, whatever. But I, I, like, forever etched in my mind will be, you know, we did training for helping out at the church and we had welcome team usher training, mm-hmm. you know? And one of the teens was like, oh, what's wrong with jeans? Because the old manual said no jeans, right? Be- because we were striving for something, mm-hmm. but at what point does it just not make sense? And it was, this, it was this tipping point moment of, yeah, what's wrong with jeans for a 16-year-old who's never been to church before, and our church is a warehouse anyways. Yeah. So who and the heck, everybody else is wearing jeans. Right, and everyone else is wearing jeans. Why do the ushers can't wear jeans? Like, they're an usher. Yeah, like, anyways. I, but I'm all for striving for excellence. Sure. Right? Because that's, that's the other, the worry is, if you just focus on failures or, oh, we accept everybody who, for who they are, we should, but how do we, but God doesn't stop there, right? Right. God loves us enough to want us to be, to be better. Yeah. From clothing to your attitude to how you conduct yourself to... The words you say to how we do church. Like, you know, uh, another example would be, say, worship team, right? Yeah. Somebody really wants to sing. They love to sing, but they're tone deaf. You don't say... Well, you do say God loves you for who you are, but you don't (laughs) also... Auto-tune. But you also don't have them leading worship every single Sunday. Right. Because it may not lead people. But then so it's a tough line and then it's case by case Uh, you know you want to bless them you want to love them you want to say your voice is needed but maybe your voice is needed somewhere else maybe I'm yeah no I hear
0: you I have no conclusion here I'm just saying yeah and like you're right I think that's a good question navigating through what does it mean needs that that posture of humility and sensitivity and thinking about what is most edifying and yeah. helpful. And you know what? I'll, I'll throw it back to that, the extra dimension, the, the cultural dimension of it. You know, we're talking about owning up to our own mistakes and failures. Hey, you know, the three of us talking right now are Asian. Yeah. And there's the whole honor or shame side. So yeah. how do we even talk sure. about that stuff and relate it to our faith yeah. when it's so deeply
6: ingrained that we don't talk about it? <laughs> well, it really requires the second gen to talk about it. You You, mm. you couldn't have the first gen missional podcast talk about shame. Cause they just, they would be like, what shame, right? They'd be like, why, why we, what are we talking about? Right. I'm too
1: ashamed to talk about it. Yeah, no,
6: like, and, and, but it, but it, but it continues with us in terms of, I find I'm the quietest one in the room when it's European Canadians all in the room. Okay. Not because I don't think I have anything to say, but I do think that deeply ingrained in me is the Asian value of the nail that sticks up, gets hammered down. So why speak? Oh, right. Why speak if I don't need to speak? Like And then at the end of every meeting, I get called out and say, Hey, Tim, you were so quiet. It's like, well, I don't need to say anything. And yet what I see around the, the table often is people fighting for airtime. Yeah. And you're like, why are they fighting for airtime? Oh, oh, right, they're not Asian. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's, it's clearly a difference. Someone made an observation about this
0: morning's session and in regards to the panelists. Yeah. And they made the observation about who answered generally first. Right. And then it was like, oh, that's interesting because because some maybe culturally would wait just to answer or maybe because of what you said, if they stick out, you know, that that's the nail that gets hammered. But it's like, you know, how, how do we even recognize stuff like that? That's like, I was like, that's a really cool observation.
1: Yes. Some of it is cultural sensitivity, right? Sure. Just being aware and attuned. Anyways, Tim, thank you so much. Awesome.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for asking the questions. Thanks guys. Yeah, it was good. We'll talk more later. All right. All right. See ya. Hey, we have Celia here, and we're just asking the question about how has your culture impacted or influenced you in the way you've understood the gospel and your own faith in Jesus?
3: My culture values honoring parents, being a dutiful um, child. Sure. And so I guess that's one common point that uh, parents and children uh, are you know, both, um, embrace. Yeah. Yeah. And just being a good citizen, contribute to society and family. Sure.
0: That's awesome. We haven't heard that answer before. And I think one of the things I do want to kind of push a little bit more is for someone that holds that value. How can you see a connection made in terms of how you might share the gospel with a person that also believes very strongly in honoring a parent? So you're talking about the value of honoring parents mm-hmm. and it's something that's very important to you and that does come out of scripture. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like someone who may not know Jesus yet,
3: mm-hmm.
0: how do you think that could be connected?
3: Yeah, then I can think of um, in the gospel story when, when you talk about Jesus taking care of Mary, you know, yeah. uh, when, he, when he was on a cross and he makes sure that his, disciple, his mother, Mary, will be taken care of by John and... Um, also when he was little you know in the temple yeah. and there's a story that he also um, explained although I mean so it emphasized that he honored his earthly parents Joseph and Mary too sure. so yeah. that's a starting point of introducing the character of Jesus yeah, yeah.
0: that's something that I think is not often talked about yeah. in regards to Jesus' relationship to his parents and being able to even talk about yeah, that's part of who he was. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is, you know, that was important to the character of God in some way, right? Thank you so much.
3: You're welcome. You.
0: All right, we got David here. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. One of the questions we are asking in response to the session that we had today, from your own context, what do you think are some of those cultural factors? It doesn't have to be negative. It can be positive as well. Something that's really
5: impacted me is the impartation of identity sure. uh, through storytelling and something that's always resonated with me is kind of this picture of like someone a child sitting at the feet of like their grandparents or their parents or mm-hmm. their aunts or their uncles and so and then learning who they are you know like this is who you are as an american sure for me you know like a heritage that's been passed exactly. on exactly exactly sure. but we tell the, we tell stories right like this is our land, and this is how we got it, and this is why we live here, and this is how we do things, you know, and this, these are our traditions. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think it's important that, you know, that we are, when we are telling stories and we're sharing the gospel, that we are giving people identity as a uh, yes. follower of Christ. This is who you are as a child of God. Yeah. You know, this is who he is, and this is your place. Sure.
0: Now, what do you do when there are tensions with that in terms of forming this new identity? And what do you do when, you know, you've grown up one way, understanding things in one way? Yeah. And then the gospel,
5: you know, it does challenge that. What do you, what do, you do? It does. And like even today, you know, like one of the presenters was saying that she felt like she had to choose between her culture. Yes. Or... Christianity, right? She could either be First Nations or she could be a Christian. Right. There is a tension. I don't think that that is necessarily across the board. I do believe that you can be First Nations and Christian at the same time. But I think that you need to dig. You need to be able to find that. You need to search for that peace, the balance between heritage, culture, and Jesus. Mm. And uh, I think that's there. In any possible circumstance, Jesus will meet you there.
0: Yeah. What was that like a little bit for you in terms of you, yourself, finding those intersections and finding those places where you are formed by so many different influences? Yep. But learning that, like, this is how my identity will be
5: formed in Christ. What was that for you? So I'm a missionary kid. Yeah. And so I grew up in the church. Okay. And I remember being profoundly impacted, kind of like when I realized I needed to make this mine. And that I needed my own identity in Christ. Like sure. I, so I wasn't going to be identified through my parents and their ministry. Right. And I remember thinking about who I wanted to be individually. Yeah. And then asking Jesus to meet me there. Nice.
0: Thank you so much, David, for answering this question. It's, it's insightful. I think it's one, one of the things you said is just about, like, you know, recognizing the heritage that as Jesus meets us there, he almost reframes. Yeah. Who we are moving forward. He can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. You have been listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast. Hey, what did you think about today's conversation? We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us through Facebook, Twitter, email, and Instagram. Connect with us. Let us know your thoughts. If you haven't done so already, please remember to review and to rate and to share this podcast. It really helps us to continue to reach more people with this conversation. And it's been great to see how people have been wrestling with these topics and continually seeing their life and their faith and their own ministries challenged and and encouraged by the conversations we've been having. So once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.